Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church Podcast. With multiple campuses existing within Southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church. Okay, all right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, good morning. Uh, good morning, church. Wow, that was amazing. Uh, man, I'm, now I'm pumped. Now I'm a little nervous, but I'm glad that we get to be together uh, this morning. Uh, if you uh, have a Bible with you, uh, I would invite you to open it up or to turn it on if you'd like to use your phone. That's cool. And we're going to go to the New Testament book of Ephesians today. Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to be spending some time together today. And as you turn there, let me just say that I am um, very excited um, to be um, starting this new series called Social. Uh, I'm personally very excited that I I get to kick this off um, for us. Um, And I'm also looking uh, forward to where Mike is going to take this over the next few weeks. My goal today is really to to set us up, uh, to set us up into this big idea of what we're looking at and what Paul leads us to in the book of Ephesians. And then Mike is going to take kind of a deep dive over the next three weeks um, into really the the second half of chapter four and the first half of chapter five for a, a tight little section, deep dive into what Paul is calling us into as followers of Jesus. And so I couldn't be more excited Uh, to lead us into this today. Um, I love the book of Ephesians. Um, I really love all of Paul's writings um, for a lot of reasons, but one one reason is because Paul, um, he writes with a very clear structure. And I love structure. I'm a structure person. Anybody else out here, you are a structure, you like lines, you like bullet points. Yeah, you like steps. Yeah, that's awesome. Only a few of us. Okay, that's cool. So the rest of y'all, y'all are like my wife. I guess that's what you are. You like things to be um, fluid, is that you? Flexible, right? Cool, awesome. Well, you're gonna enjoy this series because you'll have me today and I'm structure and then you'll have Mike for the next three weeks and he is, he's fluid, right? And, um, and that's gonna be awesome. But that's how Paul writes. He, he writes with some structure, but it's not a stifling structure. So those of you who don't like structure, it's okay. He, he kind of writes with this, this frame and once you see the frame, you can't unsee it. So I'm sorry, I'm gonna tell you what it is today. This is how Paul writes. When he communicates to us, when he communicated to the churches in his time, he would always write and he would start off telling us what Jesus has done for us. Always. Paul would say, this is the gospel. This is what God has done for us through Jesus. And then he'll go about stepping out of that very clearly into the rest of his writing. And he'll say, now, in light of what Jesus did for us, this is how we are to live our lives. Because see, Paul believed, and I believe, that everything that Jesus did for us should affect everything about us. Everything that Jesus has done for us, it ought to affect everything about us. And so Paul will spend half his time telling us what Jesus did, reminding us, hey, these are people who knew it, we know it, but we need to be reminded of it. And then we need to see how that affects and changes our everyday, ordinary lives. And Ephesians is particularly one of my favorites of Paul's because it's literally the first three chapters are what Jesus did for us. And the, the second three chapters are what that means for us. And I'm like, man, that, thank you, Paul. Like, thank you for being clear and giving me a structure. 
And so Paul spends this first half of Ephesians telling us what Jesus has done for us. So shall we be reminded of what Jesus has done for us today, church? Would that be helpful, yeah? Well, this is what Paul tells us, y'all. He tells us that because of Jesus, through our faith in Jesus, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven. That sounds beautiful. That we've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. That through faith in Jesus, we have been called the beloved of God. That we have been redeemed and forgiven and given a hope. That we have been called saints, the set-apart ones to God. That we've been, because of God's mercy and his love, with which he has loved us, even when we are dead in our transgressions, our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. We've been made alive. Through faith in Jesus, we have been saved by grace. We have been raised up and we have been seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And y'all, that's all in just 33 verses of Ephesians. That's what Jesus has done for us. And we need to be reminded of it. We've been saved. We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed. We've been called saints. We've become beloved. We've been raised up and seated with Jesus. But Paul doesn't stop there. He keeps going. And this is where I want to read and kind of focus our time together today in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you're there with me, we're going to read a chunk of Scripture. Uh, I'm going to kind of read through it, pull out a few things, uh, and help us to see something maybe new today. So are we there, church? Ephesians chapter 2. All right, if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen, so don't worry. This is what Paul writes, starting in verse 11. He says, therefore, and I'll go ahead and stop right there. Therefore, whenever you see therefore in Scripture, you got to go, what's the therefore, therefore, right? Therefore, and oftentimes Paul actually uses the therefore to transition from, this is what Jesus did, therefore, this is how you live your life. But right now, he's not doing that. He set up all these things that Jesus had done for us, things that we all kind of remember, you've probably heard. He says, therefore, this is true. Therefore, this is also true. He's giving us another truth of what Jesus has done for us. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, Strangers to the covenants of promises, having, listen, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now, and y'all, we got to stop because it's another beautiful word, but. But in scripture is a beautiful word, right? Whenever you see but in scripture, you just, you just underline that. It's like this is happening, but this is the truth. This is what's new for you. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus You, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15, this is where we're like really zooming in today. By abolishing the law of commandments, express ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. One new man in the place of two. The NLT calls it one new people. Or the NIV says it in probably the best translation of all. It says, we've been made one new humanity. Because of Jesus, he's created us and he's made us one new humanity. So making peace 
verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, no more. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God or the family of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's our scripture that we're focusing on today. That in Jesus we were once far off, but now we've been brought near. We were once not a people, and now we are a people. We were once divided, and there was tension, and now there's one new humanity. And I get it. I read that. There's a lot of confusing words in that. And some of us are like, all right, Clay, I hear you. Cool. What, what does this have to do with me? Like, like I'm, serious. I'm seriously sitting here today, and I am not a Gentile, and I'm not Jewish. To which I would say, yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Every single one of us in this room, in Leland, in New Bern, online, in Paul's eyes, you are either Jewish or you are Gentile. Okay, let's just let that sink in right now. Because this word Gentile uh, was a word used in the culture, in the Jewish culture to describe um, everyone who's not Jewish. Right, so in Paul's mind, you were either Jewish or not Jewish. All right, you were Jewish or you were Gentile. And in his day and predating this letter, that was a big deal. That was kind of like everything. Because see, looking back all the way to Abraham, right, Father Abraham, we see that the Jewish people were considered the, the people of God, the, the chosen people, God's loved people. And here we fast forward to the New Testament, and we've got uh, Jewish people who are putting their faith in Jesus, and we have non-Jewish people who are putting their faith in Jesus, and there is a big tension for them. I get it. It's not a big tension for us right now, but I want to I help us get there. There's a big tension. Like, what do we do with that? Like, what does the early church do with people who are non-Jewish, who understand and come to believe that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God, the Savior of the world? Do they need to become Jewish? That was a big tension. It was a big struggle. It was a fight. For all these years, the, the Jews and the Gentiles, they, they did not um, co-mingle. They did not operate on the same basis. They did not interrelate with each other. And now all of a sudden, something's happening and these people are in the same room and they're like, what does this mean for us? And they're saying, hey, do these Gentile people, who are probably most of us non-Jewish, do they have to become Jewish to follow Jesus? And Paul says, no, because it's not about Jew or Gentile, it's about Jesus, hello? And Jesus takes the Gentile and the Jew and he brings us together as one new humanity, one new people, something entirely different. And again, for us in the room, we're like, okay, well, I don't know if that really matters a whole lot to me, but I'm telling you, church, it does. It's a beautiful reality that we get to step into because Paul is showing us this incredible 
yet very often overlooked truth for us in Western culture, in the American church. And it's this, that Christ has made us alive and Christ has made us a new humanity, a new people. Here's the big idea for us today. I want you to get, I want us to hear and believe it's this, that Jesus doesn't just make you a new person. Jesus makes us a new people. Jesus doesn't just make you a new person, you a new person. He makes us a new people. And the reality for us sitting here in Wilmington and New Bern and Leland and most of us in America is that we live in a culture that is highly individualistic, right? It, it's about me, myself, and I. And I like that. I was born and raised in America, and I'm an introvert. And so I love me, myself, and I. I can just kind of zero in on me, and I'm like, that's good. I can just go ahead and go be by myself all day long, and I'm happy. And y'all are like, how is he on stage right now as an introvert? I'm the only one on stage right now, right? I'm up here. Y'all are out there together. Y'all, y'all, that's where I get nervous, right? Yeah. He makes us a new people. He makes us a new family. He invites us into something entirely new, that through faith in Jesus, we now belong to something. We now belong to somebody. This is our new identity. It's our new reality. And it's not just an individual identity, it's a corporate identity. And in this new corporate identity has some implications on your individual lives. This new corporate identity has some implications on our own individual lives. And we've got to see what that looks like. And that's why Paul um, can say this in chapter four. If you've got your Bible open, flip over to chapter four. I'm just going to read one verse and it'll be on the screen. And this is going to kind of connect us into where we're going for the rest of the series. This is what Paul um, says to this church in Ephesus that I believe is mainly consistent of Gentiles. This is what Paul says to them. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord, which means he's serious. I testify in the Lord. This is not just me. This is me under the Lord, under his lordship, saying this, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. To which the church in Ephesus says, but Paul, we're Gentiles. That's who we are. How can we not walk as Gentiles? And Paul's saying, oh, that's not who you are. That's not your identity that's not your corporate identity anymore. Yes, you once identified as a Gentile, as a non-Jew. Now you ident- identify as part of this new humanity. So no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Walk in this new way of being you. Church, no longer walk as the Wilmingtonians do. Walk in this new identity. No longer walk as the Lelanders do. Is that what they're called? Walk in this new identity. No longer walk as new burners do. Walk in this new identity. No longer walk as simply Americans do. You know, I love where we live. And it's a part of what has shaped us, but it is not our primary identity anymore. We are now citizens of heaven, members of the family of God. What does that look like? How do we live according to that new reality. I want to give us three implications to consider today together. Then I want to wrap us up and send us off into the rest of the series. Jesus made us new. Now we must learn to live as if that's actually true of us. Three implications on this new identity we've been brought into. Number one is this. 
that this new humanity gives us a new perspective. This new humanity gives us a new perspective. Church, I hope that after today, our time together, you would just begin to think a little different. That you would simply have a new perspective. And I get it, we live in this individual culture where we think about ourselves. We gotta start thinking about us. We've gotta move from me to we kind of thinking. We need to start thinking about our walks with God in terms of us, right? That your, your walk with God is personal, but it's not private. It's not me, myself, and I, and God. It's, it's, it's us and God. It's personal, but it's not private. We've got to start considering that the Christian life is not just about your good behavior. It's about our deep community with each other. We've got to start considering what it means to be the the family of God. And I love that, y'all. My one word for the year is son, son. And I, I love that identity for myself, that I am called now a son of God. That's unbelievable. But I'm not just a son of God. Like, we're children of God. You're not just a child of God. We're now siblings, brothers and sisters together. Hello? And look, you got some crazy family around you. Just look around. <clears throat> that's who we are. We're brothers and sisters. I, I love that old, old tradition in the church as you would call people, you know, Brother Clay and Sister Mary. Like, I, we don't need to bring that back, but that's cool because that's the reality, <laughs> right? If you want to call me Brother Clay, you can. I give you permission. <clears throat> but it's like a reminder. That's not just about me as a child. It's about us as children together. We got to learn how to be siblings together. And siblings fight and siblings don't always get along, Right? But we're together because of Jesus. So what does that mean for us? We got to start thinking differently when we read Scripture. We got to read Scripture differently, y'all. When we read the New Testament, primarily the word you in the New Testament is a plural you. It's not speaking to you. It's speaking to you all, right? How we would say it down here in the South is, is y'all. It's, it's all y'all do this, Right? We got to read it, man. You can just start scratching through your Bible. When it says you, just write y'all above it. This is for, this is for all y'all and us together. We got to start thinking in this new way. We got to have a new perspective. That's number one. Number two is this, that this new humanity brings us into a new culture. This new humanity brings us into a new culture, an entirely different culture. And I don't know if you have yourself ever moved into a new culture, like an entirely different foreign culture before, if you've studied abroad or you've moved overseas or maybe you're in the military and you're kind of all these different places, y'all moving into a new culture is beautiful, right? It's unique. It's different. It's scary, right? I moved myself and my family to Italy for a few years. Actually, this church moved us to Italy for a few years. Like, hey, that was a nice vacation. But actually we were sent as missionaries to plant a church in this town, the city of Trieste, Italy. And uh, me and my family, our two girls were six and four at the time. We moved from Wilmington, North Carolina. I had uh, only been out of the country twice before. And we plopped into uh, Trieste, Italy and thought we were just going to kind of like, you know, have it all figured out. And it's like, no, man, we, we were living in a new culture. We were surrounded by everything was different. Everything was new. We didn't know the language. We didn't know the, the customs. We didn't know 
the way that you related to each other. We didn't, we didn't understand. Everything felt foreign. And in fact, as a previous college pastor, uh, I got lots of emails from students who had gone on foreign exchange or um, what do you call it? Foreign exchange is another word for it. Anyways, had, uh, study abroad. There you go. That's what it's called now. Study abroad. And it's like they're two days in and they're in Spain and they're emailing me going, I'm scared to death. I don't want to leave my room. Because you go as a tourist and there's like a, a perspective you have, but you move there and you live there and you're like, I don't know what to do or where to go. I don't understand the language. I don't understand what's happening around me. It's confusing. And the reality is this new humanity brings us into a new culture. It brings us into a place that we're, we're unfamiliar with, a way of life that we don't actually feel quite comfortable with, which is why I think we might all want to avoid this piece of Scripture because I'm comfortable with myself. I'm comfortable in my culture. I'm comfortable where I live. But this new culture is going to require something different of me and new of me. And I don't quite understand it yet. And it feels a little foreign. And I think I'm supposed to have it all together. And Paul's saying, no, it's new. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to acclimate to a new culture, a new way of being. And it's okay that it feels foreign because it is foreign. When I moved to Italy, it was okay that it felt foreign. And I just want to stay in my apartment because it was foreign. But over time, I began to learn it and began to love it, and I began to acclimate to it and thrive in it. And it's the same for us with this new identity as this new humanity. It's a new culture, and it's going to take some time for us to learn and feel comfortable and thrive in it. That's exactly what God is calling us into. This new humanity brings us into a new culture. Number three, it's the last point, is that this new humanity requires some new skills. This new humanity is going to require some new skills from us, some, some new needed, necessary skills we're going to have to learn. If we're going to live life as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to have to learn a skill in living with each other. See, when I moved to Italy, new culture, everything was different. And I had to acclimate to the culture, but I also had to learn some new skills. Like I had to learn how to buy a bus ticket. I'd never done that before. I had to learn a new language that I didn't know. I had to put time and effort into it. I had to learn some new social skills, right? I had to learn that in, in Italy, when you tell someone, hey, we should hang out soon, that actually means you're going to hang out soon. <laughs> right? Isn't that right? When we say that, it's like, it's like, hey, we should hang out soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Right? In Italy, say, Let, hang out soon. They're like, tomorrow at 8? like, uh, let me check my schedule. I'll get back to you. Right? The first time I hung out with a, a new Italian friend, his name was Pietro. I said, hey, we should go. We had talked about uh, pool, like billiards, right? For some reason, it's not an Italian thing, so it's kind of a cool thing. And I said, hey, we should go play billiards sometime. He was like, yeah, okay, tomorrow. Let's do it. I'm like, ah, okay. Like, I wasn't quite ready for that as the introvert clay. But we go, right? And we play, we play pool for two hours, I had to learn a new skill in Italy. I had to learn patience. Hello? Everything's slow in Italy. Everything. You play pool for two hours. And I'm like, oh, well, I, we did it. We hung out. That was nice. I got to know a little bit about you. He's like, let's go eat dinner. So we, it's 11 o'clock at night, and we go eat dinner. I had to learn how to eat late at night. That's a skill I had to learn in Italy. And we went and ate dinner. It's midnight, and we're walking home. And I'm like, I, this is past my bedtime, y'all. Midnight is way past my bedtime. And before we split directions to his apartment, to my apartment, we talked for 30 more minutes. I had to learn the skill of talking to people late at night. 
right? Because that's a skill that's required in this new culture I was living in. And y'all, for us, this new humanity, there are some new skills that we have got to learn. And many of them aren't like new to us. They're just kind of new for us to walk in, right? They're skills that are still, they still feel foreign to us. Like when Jesus tells us when someone strikes your cheek to turn the other cheek, that's, that's not a skill that's natural for us. Someone hits me in the face, I want to hit them back. And Jesus says there's a new skill that you learn, right? So there's these new skills we've got to learn. And over the next three weeks, Mike's going to just deep dive into some of these skills that are going to be hard, that might challenge us, that might feel very foreign to us. But in fact, they're, they're for us. They're actually for our best, for our best and for, for our best. And so there's this new perspective we need, this new culture we're brought into, some, some new skills that we have got to learn to live in together. And so what do we do with all this? Like what's, uh, what's the takeaway for today? I think this new perspective is just something you can just be thinking about. Like just you got to get it. You got to start thinking. This is about, not about me, it's about we. When Jesus saves us, he doesn't just save me, he saves us. When Jesus forgave me, he didn't just forgive me, he forgave us. When Jesus redeemed, it's not just about me, it's he redeemed us. What does that mean for me? How do I live in that? The new skills, we're going to deep dive those. We're going to work on those. I mean, over the next three weeks, I want you to take notes. If you can, bring a notebook. If you like to take notes on your phone, that's cool. We're going we're gonna to learn together. We're going to take some notes on it. And then what do you do with a new skill? You got to go practice it. But these things that we're going to talk about that we're going to learn, we're going to have to go and practice and we're going to practice them, and they're going to feel foreign. They're going to feel uncomfortable. But you know what? After we practice them enough, man, they're going to come like second nature to us. It is part of our new identity. And so for, for us today, I think the thing I want to focus in on is this new culture, this acclimation to this new, this just entirely new way of living, this culture of the kingdom right, that we've got to adjust to, we've got to learn, we've got to sit in, we've got to see, we've got to experience, we've got to walk in, we've got to learn and open our eyes. We've got to see that there are some things that are true of us that are not yet normal for us, and that's okay. I think talking to most of us who are walking with Jesus, especially kind of early on, I think a lot of us, man, we just think, I put my faith in Jesus, I decide to follow him, and everything's just going to like, like fall into place for how I live the Christian life. Like everything's just gonna be normal. And what we come to find is it actually is less normal. And, and I'm telling you today that that's okay. That's a part of the process of becoming and being established into this kingdom of God. There's a new culture that we have got to learn and sit in. And here's the thing I wanna kind of leave us with this, this statement. I wanna just kind of think about it for a second. It's this, is that the gospel, the gospel is a radical reorientation of what it means to be social. The gospel is a radical, radical reorientation of what it means to be social. I think in our world, in our culture, culture being social is about projecting something about myself that I want other people to see and admire. But in this new humanity, being social is not about projecting myself, it's about participating with others. In this new community, this new humanity created and defined by Jesus himself. That's what it means to be social, to participate with others in this new community created and defined 
by Jesus himself. And to do that, to acclimate to that, to learn this new way, y'all, we are desperately dependent on Jesus. It's not as tangible as moving to a new country and learning a new culture. It's the fact that we live in the old culture and we've got to experience the new at the same time. And we need God to do a work in us for that. And so today, in this gathering, we, we typically would close with a song. We're going we're gonna to worship. We're going to sing. But today, we're going to close with a prayer. We're going to end our time together with a prayer that's going to be a corporate prayer. Um, we're used to this now. Mike's been leading us through prayers for the past few weeks. We had a whole series of prayers through our personal retreat that led us through. And we believe in the power of prayer around here. We believe that prayer is access to God. It's not just about answers, it's about access, about being with God. And I would encourage every single one of us to spend time like praying, like just being with God and communicating with Him. But there's also this beauty in us corporately praying together. And there's also a beauty in us praying another prayer, like someone else's prayer for us. Because sometimes I find that when I pray, when I spend time with God and I have access, to God, I don't even know what to say. Y'all ever feel that way? So I don't know how to put words to this thing about this new humanity, this, this new community I'm brought into, but today we're gonna read a prayer that's gonna give us some language. It's a prayer that one of my friends and, and fellow staff members, as they were a part of us kind of processing this series, was like, hey, I've got this prayer I've used before in my own life and with other people, it might be helpful. And Laura Lynn gave it, this prayer to us and, and we all read it and we were like, this is it. Like, this is the language we need. This is language that not most of us would pray on our own, but it's the language that we need to be challenged by. We need to ask God and invite God into. And so we're gonna close with a prayer and it's gonna be on the screen in a moment. And I'm just gonna invite everybody at all of our campuses just to read it. And as you read it, to pray it. Uh, as you read it let, it, let it soak in through your mind into your heart. And I know that's not gonna maybe happen in the one minute we give you to read it. Uh, it's gonna happen over time. And we're gonna try to give you this prayer in some different ways over the series. But at least for today, just to begin to let it do something in our mind, in our heart, to acclimate us to a new culture. So I'm gonna give all of us just a moment to be quiet, to be still with God, and to read and pray the prayer that's on the screen. And then in just a moment after you read it to yourself, quietly. I'm going to come out. I'm going to read it over us to finish our time together. Does that sound good, church? Take a moment. Let's read and pray this prayer together. how that felt for you to pray that prayer, to read that prayer, to break that kind of hold on the, the me, to let God do something in us that drives us to we. 
I think it's powerful. And we're going to pray that prayer again through the series. Uh, and even today, um, man, we're just going to spend some time uh, here at the Wilmington campus providing some space for you guys to be social, um, to move from, from me to we. And so uh, on your way out today on the patio, if, as long as it's not raining, which I have no idea if it's raining or not, um, we've got some booths or uh, some tables set up. We've got some areas of town that we want you to, um, to find your area of town and to meet some people who live around you. Say, hey, this is, we're a family. We're brothers and sisters. And so it's not just about me and my walk. It's about us and our walks. And we want to provide some space for you to meet some folks in, in your area, to be social. If you're an introvert like me, today might not be your day to do that. You might just start thinking about that. And we'll give you an opportunity next week to do that. But if you want to meet some people who are in this church, who are part of this new humanity together, I'd invite you to do that today on your way out. And to close, I just would love to read this prayer over, over us and then pray for us. Let me pray this over us. God, our Father, I understand that it's not about me, and yet I still want it to be to me and for me. I'm getting the picture that you are more interested in we than in just me. I sense that there is this way you want to locate me and work with me within a bigger context of others. I sense very clearly that you will need to break my fierce and rugged individualism in order to bring me home into a people. That scares me, I'll be honest. I like control. I'm comfortable with me, myself, and I with you, of course. Lead me, God, to the place that is both corporate and personal. Lead me to the we where something tells me I will become a different kind of me. I pray this in Jesus' name who was with you and the Holy Spirit reign as one God forever and ever. And Father God, as we just kind of close this time together and we pray that prayer corporately, I do pray, God, that you lead us to a place where it's both corporate and personal. Lead us into this new culture, this new way of being human in the middle of this new humanity that you've created. God, I pray that over the next three weeks, God, that you would teach us some new skills that you would give us grace to stand on, to practice those, to not be perfect in them, but to grow in putting others first and loving like Jesus loved us. And in that, God, that you would do something beautiful in us, but that it wouldn't stop with us, it would go through us to the world around us, God, that they would see you in a beautiful and full way in the new humanity that you have saved and redeemed, and created, and defined. Now that's what we pray and ask. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, church. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. We'll see you all next Sunday. Go be social.